Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, we are speaking about how to improve your relationship with money and build financial freedom. This conversation is a clip from episode 122, where I am joined by number one national best-selling author, educator, and speaker, Anthony O'Neill, who has helped over a quarter of a million people get out of debt and build wealth through his online courses and best-selling book, Debt-Free Degree. In this episode, Anthony shares how creating financial freedom begins with understanding your why. And he shares stories from his own life to inspire you to create a vision for yourself. He says, quote, your vision is your navigation system. Anthony went from being broke to building financial freedom. And together we discussed the factors that cause some of us to fall into debt and the greatest barriers that hold us back from making ends meet or growing wealth. Anthony also shares his top investment tips and three important questions that he suggests we should ask our partners about money before we make a big commitment. Be inspired to adopt the mindset and momentum to achieve the financial freedom and legacy you desire. You inspire your listeners to shift their mindset so they can start winning in life financially. And you you constantly talk about creating a vision for ourselves. I'm curious, what does creating a vision for ourselves look like or, or what kind of questions should we be asking ourselves to adopt the mindset and I guess momentum to achieve more financial success? Woo! Man, that's so good right there. You know, this is something that I'm talking about in my singles community and slash course. I believe that your vision is your navigation system. It shouldn't be rushed. It should be thoroughly thought through. And so one of the very first things with the vision is go back to your childhood. What were some things that you wanted to experience as an adult that you wish you experienced as a child? So it was like, you know, I wish I could have took my family. I wish that my family would have took us on a spring break vacation. We didn't have the funds to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had my own room growing up. I share my room with my two other siblings. And one of them is I have a younger brother and a younger sister. So when my sister would get changed, we had to leave the room so she can oh. change her clothes. And then when we got changed, she had to go leave the room so we can get changed. So we didn't really grow up with with privacy. We, we had to share our space. So when I talk about vision is we first got to start at the root. Well, what what are some things that you wish you experienced at a younger age? And why do you wish you experienced those things at a younger age? So there's a lot of root questions that goes into, you know, your your vision making. And then then from there, it's, it's your why. Oh, and, and I'm telling you, ooh, this is so good. Um, um, if your why doesn't make you cry, then the price of commitment will make you cry. So when I I ask you questions inside of this vision statement, that's like, well, why do you want the room? You know, why did you want this? Why do you want this moving forward? And then when you answer that question, I say, okay, cool. Well, why do you want that? We go deep down into the core of us. And when you start getting emotional, when you start getting, you know, a little little tears coming out your eyes, now the vision had just got stronger because now you put a why behind that. And so my vision for my life, is so deep that if I talk about it now, I will get emotional because it's at at 37 years old, I'm single with no kids, right? I'm already, every decision that I make now is about her and is about those kids. 
Mm-hmm. Because my vision is to be a great husband. My vision is to be an, a phenomenal father. My vision is that, you know, I'm building wealth now that my great, great grandkids will know my name because I left them not just wealth, but I left them uh, with wisdom and knowledge to make that wealth grow. My vision is that for my community, my culture, that I was a positive impact. I, I, I taught, you know, people how to get out of debt. I, I shifted that mindset and I helped them uh, to get to build wealth. My vision is so deep. It's not just, I want a house. Mm-hmm. It's not just, I want to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I, I want to shift. When you get a vision, life is so much easier because then now you can blame the no on your vision. And then if you say yes, you can say, yes, that aligns with my vision. You feel so good about that. Mm-hmm. And your vision tells you, no, I shouldn't be dating him. No, I shouldn't be dating her. Not that they're bad individuals, we just don't align. But if you don't have a vision, you're just out here doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And vision sets you up for alignment. When you're aligned, you get to your destination quicker. Oh, this is so good. I yeah. love it. You know what? So my co-host and I, we adopted this minimalist lifestyle, right? I mean, yeah. For, yeah. for me, only four years ago. And I was able to remove all that clutter in my life, physical and mental. And it, it helped me uncover my vision. Asking all these questions will help us uncover why we act the way we do with money, understand our money behavior a little bit better so that we can understand why do we use money the way we do today? And if, if it's not working for us, what do we need to change? And what yeah. are our goals? Like, what are our money goals? You had a conversation with Lewis Howes on the School of Greatness podcast, which is one of my favorite yeah. podcasts. And you mentioned a story where when you started making money, you were buying stuff for an apartment that, you know, you need to look cool. You know, you need to have the thing, the couch and so that you could entertain and all these things. And it was so relatable for me because I remember when I moved into my apartment, I thought I needed all the stuff because I needed <laughs> to look, I need to look a certain way. You know, I'm making money, I'm doing well for myself. And then I started realizing, oh, I don't, really ever entertained in my house or Mm. I don't use this TV that's in my house. I mean, why am I creating a space that's not functional to my everyday? And I quickly realized the value in living below my means and saving and realizing like, why am I living a life for someone else? I should be living a life for myself. And I could get that bigger house right now, but I know for me, I'm investing in some passion projects right now. So I'm being intentional with how I'm using my money. Man, that's so good. You know, and that's, I think the key word that you said there is intentional. You are being intentional with your money. You know what, what you value. I um, mean, you stick with your value system and you're being intentional with your value system. So I commend you on that. I love it. Thank I'm you. good friends with the whole, oh, with the minimalists. Those are my guys. And so I, I love, I love what they're teaching. It, it's so needed. Us too. We love them. We're the female minimalists. There you go. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So we, I mean, I love to say that you can rewrite your financial story. You have Mm -hmm. the opportunity to do so. And yeah. you are an incredible outlet for that. You, you help people do so. I'm, I'm curious though, like what are some of the external or internal factors today that you think are causing people like millennials and zoomers to fall into debt? I think one of the things that's impacting this generation, I think it's two things. One, it's it's uh, it's culture. And when I say culture, I mean everything inside of culture, from social media, from the, the culture expectations, right? I think that, you know, growing up at 37 years old, growing up throughout high school and even some of college, there was no 
Instagram. We didn't, you know, we had Facebook, but you only could be on Facebook if you were in school. But I remember growing up, there was no no cell phones. We didn't have cell phones growing up. We didn't have cell phones until like maybe the end of my high school career. And it was Nokia. And Nokia, you didn't have apps on there. You you had to text one letter at a time. <laughs> and, I'm 34, so I hear you. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, you know, we didn't really, we didn't have that. And so the, the exposure wasn't as bad. We had AOL growing up, the dial-up internet, you know, with the busy phone line. Uh, we had Yahoo Chat growing up. We didn't see what the whole world was doing. And so I think in this generation, it's we see what everyone is doing. We see what people are buying. And here's the thing. I posted something the other day on my Instagram and it didn't get it didn't get a lot of likes, and I know why, because the post was most entrepreneurs only post them flying on private jets, buying the nice cars, and you know spending a lot of money over here. Just bought this Gucci bag. I could write this off. Yeah, but did you show them you working in the office with your junkie office for ten hours to come up with what you're doing? Did you show them that? Did you tell them that? Hey, true entrepreneurs in the beginning stages work more hours than nine to five workers? Did you show them the nights where you were crying and you felt like giving up? And I think sometimes because of social media, we paint this image that everything is good, everything is green, everything is amazing, and they don't really see the truth. And so I think that's one reason why this generation is falling into debt, they're falling into these traps, is because they see all of the green but they don't see the sand. They don't see the mud. They don't see the planting seasons. They don't see the growing seasons when you grow and one thing works, but the other three do not work. They, they don't see that as you're growing, you're growing, but you're growing lopsided and you need to get, you know, get straightened again. They only see the grass green. They only yeah. see the tree straight up with fruits hanging from it. And sometimes that image, especially on social media, is 70% of the truth. And, um, and then they go out here, go get this loan and go get this and you'd be able to build this business. No, if you don't have the wisdom and knowledge, Mm -hmm. you won't build nothing. Even if you did get a hundred thousand dollars alone, even if you did get a hundred thousand dollar credit card, if you don't have the wisdom and knowledge, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's bad. Yeah. And so that's one thing I say, why this generation is falling into the debt trap. It's unfortunate. Everything is filtered uh, to the extreme. But even before social media, I'm just thinking about, you know, I remember that friends of mine would be talking about how they're investing their money. And I was like confused. I'm like, okay, well, I never learned this. My my parents are wonderful. They they helped me learn the value of a dollar. My mom is very Dutch, so she's very frugal. So they helped me avoid debt. I mean, I paid for my university and I was able to pay it off, but they they never really taught me how to grow my money. And so when I earned enough money to pay off my debt, I ended up paying it off in one lump sum, which I look back and I'm I'm thinking I should have never done that. But I didn't, (laughs) I didn't know, I didn't know that, oh, you could pay it off incrementally and then invest that other money. And that's what I should have done. And I mean, I I guess I would, I wasn't informed and I can't blame my parents. You know, I could have gone out there in the world and tried to read as many books as I could, but they didn't teach me this in school. So I'm thinking like, what do you think is lacking from an education perspective? Or what do you think parents and teachers can do today to teach young adults about debt and wealth? Such a good question. I think there's two main things that the education system is failing 
at uh, providing when it comes to our young people graduating high school and even college is two. Number one is financial literacy. I think that every junior and senior needs to go through a complete uh, basic money course. Like, and I'm not talking about, hey, here's how you go out here and you flip a million dollars. No, basic money course. What is a checking account? What is a savings account? What is a money market account? What is a credit card? What what comes along with the responsibilities of a credit card? What is a debit card? What's the difference between a debit card and a credit card? Uh, because I think a lot of kids, I remember when I first got my debit card, I saw the Visa logo. And so growing up, they was like, yo, do you have a Visa credit card? And I was like, yeah, I got a Visa. I got a Visa. Yeah. yeah. But no, 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 you don't. That, that says debit. That's your money. And so I remember overdrafting my checking account because I thought I had a Visa credit card, but no one told me that. What is taxes? I remember going to my first job and I remember I calculated like 300 bucks my check was going to be and my check was $188. I go back to my manager like, yo, you missed you. And she was like, I gave you your money. You see 300 right there? I said, yeah, yeah. Where, where's the rest? She said, the government got it. I said, the government? <laughs> <laughs> I said, so the government gets my money before I get my money? She said, the government gets everybody's money before they do. And I was like, wait, what? And she said, yeah. And the only time they don't do that is if you're an entrepreneur. I said, an entrepreneur? What's an entrepreneur? You know, so it's like, we need to have the basic foundation courses taught inside of high schools. They're, they're teaching us how to read, write, process information, and add. They're giving us the education so we can go out there and be citizens in America and get a job. The mm -hmm. problem is they're not teaching us what to do with the resources that we get from being a citizen and having a job, which are, which is money. Mm -hmm. So you taught me how to, you, you gave me the information to go get an actual job, but you didn't give me the information on how to handle what a job brings and that's money. Yeah, very well said. And for those building or looking to build wealth, like sometimes they're also held back from achieving their financial goals. So what do you think yeah. are some of the negative beliefs that are really, really holding back people from, you know, making ends meet, but also holding back people from achieving the financial wealth that they really, really desire? Man, I think a lot of people think building wealth is hard when it's not hard. Building wealth just requires consistency. That's yeah. it. I think a lot of people are looking for the shortcut when it comes to building wealth. They're like, okay, cool. How do I get into crypto and just blow up overnight? No, it doesn't happen that way. How do I, uh, you know, get into a get rich quick scheme and just blow up overnight? No, wealth happens over time. True wealth happens over time. And I think the greatest hindrance, the greatest barrier between you and building wealth is your excuse. And what's your excuse? It's to not, um, it's to remain comfortable for one, and then two, not not willing to wait. Mm -hmm. No, it, yeah. it, not not willing to be, all right, I'm gonna put a hundred dollars into this Roth IRA. Cool, great. You're not gonna see three hundred dollars next month. It's not that. All right. But you're gonna put another hundred dollars in there next month. You know what? you're still not going to see $300 the following month. But you're going to put $100 in there the third month. Now you see $300. And now you may see $300 and $302. But over time, and as you continue to invest, mm -hmm. that $100 turns into $1,000. That $1,000 turns into $3,000. Because over a period of time, you are allowing compound interest to work in your favor. You're allowing patience to work into your favor. You're allowing now your money, you're allowing time to produce money for 
you. And so that's one of the things that I think is preventing people from building wealth is one themselves. Uh, they're not willing to make the sacrifices uh, to, to be patient, to be uncomfortable, and to allow time to work in their favor. Um, and I can't, I, I can't help you out with that. If you're yeah. impatient, I understand, you know, yeah. um, but you got to be patient to build wealth. It's that, it's that comfort zone. You know, you get in that zone and you don't want to leave it. And, you know, I have a brother and sister and they're, they're very successful. They, they, they have these comfy corporate jobs though. Right. And, and for me, I did have that role and I decided to exit that world four years ago and become an independent contractor, which is obviously a risk. So it wasn't as comfy and I was sacrificing certain things and, you know, adopting this lifestyle saved a bunch of money, but I've been able to use that to invest in the podcasting and everything else we're doing with millennial minimalists. And, and for me, like it, it's worth it. And I always say, it's like, you know, I see, I always, I, I joke with my family. I'm always like, oh yeah, I'm the poor one. <laughs> but I'm the one that works around the clock. And again, t- things take time. I mean, eventually I will get there and I'm sacrificing certain things today to get there. But at the same time, I've also been researching a lot about how to not only just save money, but grow my money. And mm. uh, I'm curious. So I, I, what are your suggestions or, or top investment tips? I've heard the other day, someone was like, someone told me they're like, buy land. I was like, mm. oh. I was like, mm. oh, and yeah. uh, they also, they, again, I have, you guys call it a 401k, right? In the, in yeah. the States. So yep. yeah, so I, I have, I have those accounts, but yeah, I'm just curious if you have any other tips. I mean, you know, when it comes to it, like investing in wealth, right? I think the number one investment you can do is invest into yourself, invest into knowledge, invest into wisdom, invest into getting a solid mentor, because here's the thing. I think we, we all go chasing uh, currency, uh, but your number one currency generator is is character. So how do you invest into yourself to build character? Once you build character, you can produce currency. So that's number one. It, and it really does turn into true currency as far as the money. Number two is take advantage of the basic stuff, right? Take advantage of a 401k or 403b. 401k is if you're working for like a, um, a private entity, 403 if you're working for like a government entity or a nonprofit. Uh, take advantage of that. Take advantage of matches if they provide matches. And then from there, take advantage of like your IRAs, like your Roth IRAs, mutual funds and index funds. And then if you're self-employed, take advantage of the S&P, you know, when it comes to that. Take advantage of, you know, the basic foundational stuff. Now, when we start getting outside of the, the compound interest of stocks and mutual funds and index funds and the S&P, uh, then it's like, yeah, I agree with when it, someone, someone who told you land. Here's the thing. Purchase, purchase land as much as possible because we can't make any more land. You know, so go buy land. And what I do when I purchase land, it's not for me. I'm passing that down to my grandkids. Uh, my kids won't even be able to touch, uh, touch that. My grandkids will, because by the time my grandkids are alive and they can sell it, oh my goodness. And here, here's a tip. I, I don't know about there in, in Canada, but over here, you can actually purchase land at an auction. So let's say someone can't afford to pay the taxes on their land. Well, you can go pay the taxes and buy the land from them. Um, and so I like that because now you get the land for cheap and it may not be worth a whole lot today, but 30, 40 years from now, it's probably going to be worth a whole lot because we're continuing to build. So we need more and more land. So eventually we'll get into those rural areas, those dead areas. And I, and I promise you, it'll be worth a lot. So I like land. And another thing is, when it comes to building wealth, some people don't like this, but 
Yep. It's, it's the truth. Here it is. The number one rising small type of business is influencers. It's, it's YouTubers. It's, it's podcasters. It's people who, who have something to say. They've built an audience and they produce a course. They, they turn on a YouTube channel. The top YouTubers came out the other day. I don't know if you saw it. The number one YouTuber, she's 16. Oh, wow. <laughs> she makes like millions of dollars a year. You know, you got people making $30 million, $50 million just from doing YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm telling people is if you have a message, if you have something to say, probably one of the quickest ways to building wealth that doesn't retire, that doesn't require 15, 20 years of investment, it may require a good solid three to five years of consistency. Man, you can generate a seven-figure income easily off of YouTube, but it's going to require consistency. And, and, and I know that because I'm doing it. You know, I'm 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 producing a lot of money uh, because I have something to say and I built a good audience. So that's just something a lot of people don't really talk about. They go out and say, go buy land, go buy real estate. Cool, great, yeah. Do you have a message? If you have a message, mm-hmm. go create a podcast, go create YouTube, build you an audience of like two, 3,000 people. Then from there, give them value, yeah. create a course that gives them good value. And then boom, you're generating money. Watch this. By serving people, by helping people, you're generating income. And so uh, that's another way to build wealth is find a different stream of income that can produce a lot of income. And you take that income, watch this, and then go invest it. And then go put that in the land. And then go put that into an IRA. And then go put that in some mutual funds. Maybe then now go talk to a financial advisor and look at different ways you can invest into funds and investment funds. Like, man, there's so many different ways you could do it. But I, I, I would encourage people to look into what kind of influencer game can get into. I mean, we have all the creative tools today to start our own business. We have that opportunity. I remember when I was back in university, no one, no one really even thought about that. That was yep. back in 2009. We're only just over a decade later and there's all these tools that we can start our own business. And again, with COVID, people are now working from home and they're realizing, oh, wow, I could start a side company or whatever. But something I like to remind people is make sure that you're going into it with a great intention and a great message. Mm. So for me, like... I remember when my mom like first asked me, she's like, okay, so you're going to do this minimalism thing and called it the minimalism thing. And I, and I said, I said, I am so passionate about this topic and I know that I can help others. I it, it was all about serving others. Like the, the messages that we get are just so emotional. Like it's just beautiful. It, you're not just changing people's physical spaces. You're changing people's lives. You're helping them reset their life. You know, it's, it's incredibly rewarding. So I like that you remind people, it's like, you can actually start your own income on the side. There's an opportunity. If you have a message, I like that. If you have a message, start. And I'm sure we're motivating people right now, which is great. Absolutely. Um, But to turn the conversation over a little bit, in your works, you often talk about your desire for a partner one day. And I'm curious what kind of conversations you would have with your partner about money or what conversations should we be having today, you know, with our partner or even in early stages of dating? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, when it comes to it's so funny, I wrote a uh, mini ebook on how to have the uncomfortable conversations while dating. Right. And I think that I desire a partner. And a partner means we are aligned. A partner means that we're serving and helping each other. And if we're not aligned, then we can't help or serve each other. So I think that when it comes to money, you got to have that conversation before you enter into a committed 
relationship. And some people may disagree with me on that one. And that's fine. But the number one reason for divorce is money. Mm -hmm. And check this out. It's not because of the lack of money. It's because of the mindset around money. They disagreed on how to spend their money. They disagreed on how to save, how to invest. They disagreed on the things about money. And I think you have that conversation while you're dating before you get into an exclusive committed relationship. An example conversation of that could just be literally you're at dinner. Like, hey, man, what are some of your financial goals? You know, like if if you had a million dollars today, what would you do with that million dollars? And then another good question would be, and I, and I talk about this as well inside of my uh, my free ebook. It's um, what do you value that money cannot buy? And when you start having these kind of comfortable conversations, these are just conversation starters. You'll get down to the real stuff: credit score, how much debt you're in. But you got to present the conversation in a very pleasing and loving way. And then you'll know the mindset of the individual. You'll know some of their financial goals. You'll know some of their financial hurdles that they're overtaking uh, before you get into the committed relationship. And here's my thing. Focus more so on the mindset than where they actually are financially today. You know? Absolutely. And, and, and I think just because someone has a lot of debt or just because someone has this, if their mindset is like, I don't like it and I'm, I'm focused, I'm getting out of debt. I don't like this and I want to build more money. That's that's more important than what they physically have today. If you have a guy who makes a million dollars a year, a hundred and some thousand dollars a month, but his mindset is, oh, it's whatever. I don't, I don't budget. I, I don't care. I just spend whatever. That's that's scary to me when you have that compared to someone who has $200,000 in student loan debt, but they're like, yo, I don't want it. I want to get out of it. And I want to do this. So I tell people, listen more so for the mindset behind the individual while you're dating, not solely where they currently are. That's so well said, because there are some people out there, they have the fancy car, the fancy house, but you have no idea. They could yeah. be in crazy debt. So yeah. you don't know. I mean, right. it, it could be some type of cover up. I know I used to joke, I lived in LA for a year and I used to joke that a lot of people live in kind of like really tiny homes, but they, they spend a lot on the car to look good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it's true. It, you know, who knows? You could marry a partner who's wealthy and then two years later, you're paying for all of his mistakes, right? So you need to have all these conversations. Them. There's a friend of mine reached out to me last week. It was so timely because I'm researching you. I'm studying the work that you do. And she goes, I'm having an issue with my, in my relationship. We're having challenging views on money. What, what should we do? And I thought, wow, this is so interesting because this guy, Anthony O'Neill, he actually suggests three things. I don't know yeah. if you remember these three things. The first thing that you said is, ask your partner, what did you learn about money from your partners? Your Absolutely. parents. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And how do you feel about debt and ownership? Yep. Because then you start talking about debt and then you start, start talking about investments. And yep. then again, as you said, if you had a million dollars today to play with, what would you do with it, right? What would you do with it? Yep. Right? And, and, and everybody will say different things. I mean, some people immediately think, oh, I'll invest it. Some other people will be like, oh, I, I'm going to spend it tomorrow, right? You know, you, you don't know. So don't these know. are great com conversations to have. But yeah. also, what about your future kids? What would you say to your future kids? I mean, I mean, uh, looking back, my parents, honestly, best childhood ever, if they're listening, I, I have nothing bad to say. It's just more so it would have been nice to learn how yeah. to build wealth. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think with future kids, it's about, there's this thing when it comes to wealth, right? It's the first generation builds it. 
the second generation maintains or maybe loses just a little bit, but that third generation, they spend it all. And the reason why the, the third generation are, are kids' kids and our kids tend to maintain it or lose it is because what we do is we just leave them the money without the wisdom and knowledge to make to take it further. And so for me, I think we have to start teaching our kids the value and how money really works as early as possible. If we can teach our kids, I don't know if you've seen this like on TikTok and Instagram, you see all these little five-year-olds, four-year-olds, no songs to Beyonce and no songs to all those other people know how to dance, but they don't know anything about saving a quarter. Yeah. So we yeah. can't say they're too young to learn about that, but they're not too young to learn a hip hop dance. Right. That's probably the music is inappropriate for them to be listening to in the first place. Right. But it's no. So for me, it's, as soon as my child can say, mom, dad, they're going to say work. Love it. Thank you for listening. That was my conversation with number one national best-selling author, educator, and speaker, Anthony O'Neill. And if you enjoyed our discussion and want to hear more, you can check out our full one-hour discussion back in episode 122 titled Build Mental and Financial Freedom with Anthony O'Neill. And you can learn more about Anthony, his free online resources, and his podcast, The Table with Anthony O'Neill, by checking out the links in the show notes. And to close today, I want to say a big thank you to those of you who have written us a kind five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We've received a few new ones and we plan on reading a couple of them next week as they were super motivating. And as always, if you don't follow us on social media yet, you can find us at Millennial Minimalists on Instagram and Facebook, and you can learn more about us, our closet decluttering e-guide, and our virtual one-on-one -on -one closet decluttering course on our website at mastersimplicity.com, which you can also find in our show notes. And stay tuned for next week's one-on-one -on -one episode where Lauren and I speak about the things we no longer buy, as well as our best minimalist purchases to date. So thanks again for listening and I'll speak with you next week. Bye-bye.